Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Making a Scene. My name's John Jufre. Thank you for joining me today. You have tuned in to the Making a Scene podcast, where I like to talk to unique creatives, unorthodox characters, and just real troublemakers who are carving their own lane, doing their own thing, and mastering their craft in a way that no one else has. I love getting to the bedrock with them about what it is that's made them stand out so much, whether it was a childhood experience, a mentor they met, or something they learned along the way. Then we figure out how they're bringing that special sauce into their work and making it stand out like no one else's work. And finally, we're talking about the scene that they want to make, the impact they want to have in their lives, in their careers, in their communities, and in the world. And as usual, our show today is brought to you by the Artworks Group. You can check that out at facebook.com slash groups slash artworks group a-r-t-w-o-r-k-s-g-r-o-u-p what is the artworks group you might be asking well it is a place where freelancers producers content creators anybody connected to the event creative and marketing gig economies it's a place for all of us to come together whether you're a 20-year vet in this industry or whether you haven't even gotten started yet it's a place where you can help others like you and receive help yourself in honing your craft, collaborating with people, taking the next step in your career, and posting some fucking dank memes. Every Sunday is meme day. That's non-negotiable. We're doing memes. Please come to the group. It'll be a great time. We've gotten, I believe, as of now, four people paid work uh, already. Just in the, We're on episode 10. I've been doing an episode a day during this launch phase of the podcast. So in 10 days, we've gotten four people paying work. And uh, I'm really proud of that and really happy about that. My company, Logos Productions, is hiring as well. And we have information about that in the Artworks group. And I'm not posting it anywhere else. So if you're interested, please check out facebook.com slash groups slash Artworks group. Let's transcend the gig economy and create the partnership economy. That's all the housekeeping for today. Our guest for this episode is none other than Joseph Clement. Joseph Clement is the founder and inventor of Move Therapy. It's a really innovative and unique approach to bringing play and natural um, intuition and human movements back into your exercise and your mental wellness routine. I've done some of the classes myself and I really quite enjoy them. Um, Joe talks today all about his experience being a massage and movement specialist and expert. He talks about how he changed careers from being a logistics manager, you know, supply chain stuff, to moving into this career in mental and physical wellness and how those two seemingly completely opposite things have actually uh, uh, been, been able to synergize and help him see things in a new way. And we talk, of course, about what it's like owning a innovative new company that goes against the grain in such a huge industry as the physical and mental wellness space. You can check him out at movetherapy.org. Uh, I, I seriously highly recommend it. It's a it's, it's fun exercise and you'll be laughing and smiling the whole time doing it. Um, so without further ado, please check out my interview today with Joseph Clement. All right, and we're back to making a scene. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Like I said in the pre-roll, 
I'm really happy to be talking to our guest today. His name is Joe Clemen, and he is an entrepreneur. He is the founder of Move Therapy, which you can find at movetherapy.org, and we're going to be talking all about it today. It's a very innovative, very forward-thinking, very cool company, and uh, a very cool product and, and physical service as well. Joe's a massage therapist, and he's a movement and wellness educator. And, um, you know, just to be transparent, I've done one of his classes online. I've done uh, one of the move sessions and it, it was fun as hell and, and it was really a great time. So hopefully you guys can go try that out if you enjoy this episode. Joe, thanks for coming on today, man. Absolutely. No, I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Hell yeah. So I guess the, the most obvious place to start would be what is move? Maybe tell us about the product and the service and then like, why should anyone care? Why does it matter? What's unique about it? Absolutely. So um, I started the majority of my life in logistics. So I was in event planning with my family since I was a child when I was six years old. I went into the military for a couple of years and then supply chain logistics um, in distribution for seven years. So then I uh, walked out of my corporate job, sold everything I owned, went back into living at the level of poverty and wanted to relearn life from a different lens, from a different perspective. So um, this really ties into like what MOVE is all about is like the freedom for us to be us, to find our individual self and to understand that, to let go of the boundaries and let go of the inhibitions and all these things that we're told that are the right way or the should be way of doing everything. So when I was 26, I was, you know, in a high school education, I was making around $65,000 a year. I had full benefits. I owned two houses, one rented out, one I lived in, I had a new car, I had everything that the American dream was supposed to be, you know, at 26 years old. And I was absolutely, the one thing I didn't have was happiness. Mm. You can have all this stuff. I had all the toys. I had home theater systems. I had projection, you know, systems, like all this, all, all the toys you wanted, but I was miserable. I worked 70 hours a week for somebody else. Everything I did was for them. So I was making, helping them make, you know, between 10 and $15 million a year in revenue. Wow. And when I went and asked them for a raise, I heard, well, you're already doing pretty good for your age. <laughs> so oh, okay. that was the end. That was the beginning of the end of my corporate world. I was like, so you're allowing me to create, you're allowing me to like have my freedom to help you generate this much revenue. But when it comes to giving me back, what I deserve for what I'm doing, you are not willing to pay me back for that. So that's when it hit me. I was like, there has to be more, there, there, there can't be, this can't be the end of it. This can't be where everybody gets to. And now I have to do this for 40 more years behind a desk for somebody else. Right. So that was my realization. I was like, I have to go out and do something. I have to figure out what this world, what they're always talking about. What, are the, what, is, what is out in this world that we're capable of or, and where we have the potential to do that I'm missing? Because, you know, I did everything I was taught to do from the time I was a child till I hit, you know, in my mid to late 20s. And I wasn't happy about any of it. So that's why I was telling everybody now, it was like, you know, if you're going to work 70 hours a week, do it for yourself. Don't yeah. do it for somebody else. So that's what brought the move thing in was that I started studying massage therapy to be able to move to St. Thomas, to move, move to the Caribbean and live in the island. That's what was my, my dream was to do that. Well, since I started um, learning medicine from such a low level, 
I realized that I started using my, my logistical brain kick in. It's like where you have to create your present decision based on predicated on past events. And you're trying to simplify your system down to just do this, right? Based right. on, I wouldn't send the same guy to the store to deliver if every time he delivered there, he, he had nothing but problems and never got back in time. So eventually you stop doing that. So then massage therapy turned into going, okay, well, I keep trying these things and nothing changes. I keep trying these things and nothing changes. They're only last for a couple of days and they come back. But what are we missing? So then it kept sending me down these paths of, well, I can study massage therapy, but then I realized that I can study psychotherapy. I can study infant field development. I can study um, medicine in general, neuroscience, you know, biology. I can study all these things without breaking my scope of practice because you can learn anything you want as long as you don't directly use it outside of your scope. Right. So I just kept studying as many different avenues in medicine as I could and kept condensing them down to what I was discovering on my own path of working with people. And I've physically have treated over 20,000 people. Wow. In my career in 13 years that I've laid my hands on and assessed and worked with and like, and, and helped. So over 20,000 people over 13 years, you learn all these patterns of like, Oh, there's that thing again. There's that thing again. Because mm -hmm. we all live in the same society using the same technologies, doing the same, primarily the same jobs. So how many different ways of medicine can there really be? Right, right. Yeah, we, we're all fucked up in, in very similar ways. Yeah. And it just kept like, my brain was like, wait, it's that thing again. It's that thing again. How can mm -hmm. I fix that thing? So you just keep like taking this information in and then you, we have the web so then I went on the web and I had this, I was out with this guy, we had done a class together and he was the teacher and I was assisting him and he was on his phone at the table. We we're at dinner and I gave him shit about it. I was like, why are you on your phone right now? And he goes, cause I'm making money, right? I use my phone to make money. And that was the trick in my brain that would, that, that sentence he told me like switched everything in my head where I deleted all the shit off my Facebook completely and only added people that would support what I was trying to learn like some of the best body workers and movement therapists and, and psychiatrists and, and doctors from all over the world. And now I didn't have to just go and study this one class. I could watch dozens of people interact together and tell me what information is credible and which one isn't and like have discussions and watch what they're saying and going, wait, I'm finding that too. Yeah. I love all that. How, so who are some of the, uh, when, when that kind of light bulb went off, who were some of the first kind of big influences that you jumped to like filling your mind with? So there was uh, there's a lot of people online that study uh, the pain science people. So there's a lot of, you know, we don't really understand pain and we still don't. And there's people who've been studying our, why do we feel pain or how can we help people with pain? So since it's such a really hard topic, I like to find really hard things to figure out. So there's a lot of um, pain science people. There's uh, Ben Cormack, um, Adam Meekins, they're both over in the UK. Uh, Phil Greenfield, Green, Green, Greenfield, I think is over in the UK. Um, there's, a bunch, there's a few people in Australia. Uh, Paul Ingram, I think is, I'm not really sure where he's located at, but you know, I wanted to be able to help people that can't find help. So mm -hmm. I focus a lot on chronic pain and helping people rethink their way around how we discuss it or how we like talk to talk about it. 
because like one of the things, like if someone comes to me with chronic pain and they explain their feelings of pain, I never use the word pain ever again. Once they explain it to me, because why would I want to keep triggering their mind into this word? Right? Mm. Oh, I like that. With, so, so what do you say instead? I said, how do you feel today? Or do you have any discomfort? Do you have, there's so many other ways of asking the same question. Right. So we know how triggers work. We know that there can be a sound or a word or something like that, that triggers something in our brain, a label. Why would you want to be called pain all the time? Well, that's like a paper cut in a way, right? Because if you don't know you have a paper cut, it doesn't hurt. But then the minute you look at it, it starts hurting. So right, and all of a sudden it bothers you all the time. The that they're associating with the negative effect, then it's like you can kind of maneuver around it, right? Yeah. So like um, the other day, I have a new client right now, and she's an amazing person to talk to. She, she's from Russia. She came over here at 18 with $300 in her pocket and the clothes on her back. And she was living uh, in Nagshead and then lived on the beach for a while and then finally got some help and like, now she has this whole life here in the United States, but it was amazing to think about like talking to her and her life before that coming here is that how easily we can start working into the positive. Right. But if we don't go into the story of why someone thinks the way they do, then you can't help them think into the winds or think into the positive. Cause do we, are we doing things because of the people are we doing things for the betterment of ourselves? Are we doing things because we want to impress the haters or show up the people that don't like us? Right. So where, what are you doing and why are you doing it? Are you doing it for your own self-interest and your own growth? Or are you doing it because you're focused on the people behind you making fun of you? So we're not, we're not worried about our own opinions anymore. We're worried about everybody else's. Well, yeah, it's like when, when something negative happens to you, it's like, yeah, you got a problem solve. You got to figure it out. Maybe you got to learn to cover your ass or it doesn't happen again. But like, I know with myself, there's a temptation to be like, okay, a negative thing happened. I'm going to withdraw from the negative. And it's like, no, that's not it. You don't withdraw from the negative. You go through it and you try to build some new kind of positive thing out of it. You don't go backwards. You you go forward and through it, right? Right. The 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 obstacle becomes the way. Right. Like it tried to shut you down. I did this example. I did a small little video on TikTok the other day when I was talking about our goals, right? Because it's the same idea that I have with um, using the blocks or using the cube, right? The targets. Because if you go from this target to this target, right? And I explain this sometimes in my video that from this starting point to this start to this ending point could be milliseconds if it's blocks. But if you're driving and you leave here and home is 11 hours away, then it's going to take you 11 hours to accomplish that thing. Supposedly. Mm -hmm. That's in our heads. We have this idea of like our goal should take this amount of time. But how many traffic jams and how many situations or do you, are you going to blow a tire? All these like uncontrolled variables that you have to now realize could happen between point A and point B. Well, so you, you mentioned the blocks real quick. Um, Let's talk real quick about what move is because I've done one of the yeah. classes and it was really fun. We did it on a, on a Facebook live and I didn't have any of the blocks physically. So uh, I got like some books and like a, a basketball and, and stuff Perfect. like that. But, Perfect. So why don't you talk a little bit about what the, the move is? Absolutely. So the speaking of the blocks, so we'll go into that a little bit because the blocks actually started from just yoga blocks. I was uh, I had surgery and the doctor said a week to 10 days, you go back to normal. And six weeks later, I still couldn't lift one leg off the floor, like completely wiped out. Damn. I went to PT 
And well, the doctor said, well, you walk in here, right? So like to him, I was fine. So I go to PT and he tests my front plank at, um, at nine seconds, face to the dirt, everything I had. And he goes, well, do these planks, do these things, come back in a month, you already know what you're doing. But he said two things to me in that session that started the whole process of move and the whole process of the blocks. He goes, paralysis by analysis and keep it simple, stupid. Right. Right, because we overthink everything so much that we, we hinder our movement because we want it to all be perfect before we even act. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I left there and took everything I learned from a style of dance I learned called contact improvisation uh, from a couple friends that are dancers and one's a physicist. Um, and I learned infant and fetal development and then randomized instinctual movement, which is like the combination of the dance plus what babies do. And I got these yoga blocks out and I started playing around on the floor. And after a month, I went back to PT, never did a single plank the entire month. All I did was played on the floor with blocks 20 minutes a day, three times a week. And I went back to PT, my front plank was a minute and 10 seconds. So I was like, wait, there's something to this. There has to be something to this. And my girlfriend at the time, she was a movement person. She was, a, she did, she taught Feldenkrais and she was a, she had her bachelor's in dance from Meredith. So I was like, there has to be something to this. And, I, and she's like, I've never seen anything like it before. And here's somebody that has studied movement in depthly. So I was like, cool. Now it's something that nobody's ever seen before or that you're not aware of. And it helped me that much. So then I started my whole path down that. And it's been seven years now working on the same thing. Because what I realized, we don't need, the blocks can be whatever they want. They're just targets. They're just you moving from a space, in, in a space of controlled variables or like objects that you are not going to move, but you're moving yourself to them. Okay. So then what I started learning is that it's called constraint-induced movement therapy, which is used for strokes. But they only use it for the upper extremities. They use it for the arms. So if you had a stroke and your right arm doesn't work, it was affected by the stroke and your left arm works fine, they put your left arm or hand in a sling or a glove, then make you do as many things with your, your affected arm as possible to try to trigger the neuroplasticity or your brain to like remap itself around to still be able to use that, that limb again. Right. But we only use it, all the research only uses it for the upper extremities. And I'm like, so if it works that well for the upper extremities, why don't we use it for the rest of the body? Right. Right, because it's still the same brain, it's still our same cognition in our, in our thought process, but why don't we use it for everything? So then I started studying stroke therapy more. I started studying, um, working with uh, spinal cord injuries and watching how they worked with those people. Um, my dad had three major strokes before he died, so I watched his progress of like rehabilitation. And basically what I do to help people is by using the blocks and giving them challenging things to do, I give you all of your power back. I don't tell you how to do it. It's just you moving to these other spaces, however you can, where the rest of the world goes, my way is better, your way sucks. You should do it my way because my way is the only one that works. But then I'm taking all of your agency away. I'm taking all of your power away by saying that your way isn't going to work. You have to do it my way. Right. But well, when I did your class, it was, it was like very creative and, and fun because I remember just, uh, people at home can, can picture it. There were, um, you said, okay, you're going to stand in the middle and there are four corners and there's a block in each corner. I had a book or whatever. Right. And it's four things in each corner. Okay. 
find a way to touch all four of those in any order without having your right leg touch the ground or something like that. And then it's based on that one instruction. You're, you're jumping around, you're crawling, you're rolling, you're doing whatever it is. And it was, I was laughing, man. It was fun. It was like playing as a freaking kid again. Yeah. So that's why I like my favorite quote ever. And this is what I really base a lot of my work off of. Cause it's, I mean, you felt it yourself right there is Nikola Tesla had a quote that said, most people are sick because they forgot how to play. Mm. So we play as children and then society tells us by this age, you shouldn't play anymore. You should, right. you shouldn't jump over the bushes. You shouldn't run through the Creek. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. But if you watch animals in nature, do they ever stop playing? Never. Never. The squirrels are always chasing each other around. The birds are always chasing each other around. There's the bears are wrestling together. The fish are wrestling together. There's always something happening. There's always play happening because that's how you learn survival. So at what point did we go, you know what, by nine, you should be just walking. You should never run again. <laughs> right. We create these like weird, like measurements of time or age that say, you know, based on the last 150 years, you shouldn't do this by this point anymore. Your body will break. Right. But who's to say that there's, there's people that I, you look at the marathon runners that are running marathons at 90 years old. What if they would have listened to everybody say, Oh, you shouldn't run anymore when you're 60 and then they wouldn't be running anymore when they're 90. Yeah, exactly. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to, cause they, they would have let it go. Right. And it's like, right. it's almost not about like what you're saying. It's not about instructing people to do specific movements. It's not about the movements themselves. It's about, like the precedent and the principle and the type of movement from which it all proceeds, right? Where it's like, if you're doing what your body naturally wants to be doing, what makes your body feel physically good, well, it's like, well, that is how you're wanting to move. That's what's going to be good for you. And, and in your case, it's like, yeah, you could have done planks every day for a fucking month, but you did whatever you were going to do. And it had a holistic effect. It made your plank better, made your core stronger, and then it did all these other things too. And it was more enjoyable. Yeah, no, it's been incredible. I mean, and that and, and like the some of the the examples I have with people that have come in that you know have tried everything and they've been in pain for so long and they've been to the PTs and they've been to the doctors and nobody nobody's been able to like help them figure out how to help themselves. And I always ask this question a lot a lot of times to my clients and like it's a really great question for people that are listening to this to think about: Are you healthy enough to run away from a threat if something would happen to you? Could you run a mile if somebody was attacking you or jumped out of the bushes at you? Could you get away? Right? That safety mechanism, our self-preservation system has to say, I have enough to, to protect myself. I'm strong enough in my own mind. My nervous system says you're safe. That's its main job is to know that you are safe. Right. So the less you move, the less able you become on your own, the less safe you're going to feel because you can't run away. So everybody needs to really think about that. Like I don't saying go out and be a marathon runner or like be a power lifter or go do American Ninja Warrior or anything crazy like that. All I'm saying is that make sure you're, you're thinking about your physical and mental health enough because you're, that's the agility. A lot of people don't realize agility is our not, how fast you move is how fast you can think and then move. Mm -hmm. If I threw a, a rock at your face, could you dodge it? Or you're going to like go, oh, wait, there's a rock coming at my face. And then by the time you realize that something's happening, you don't move in time. Right? So that's what, that's what a lot of my system trains is like, here's this thing you have to do. We're going to do it really slow. 
So you're just going to use your right elbow and touch four blocks and your feet aren't going to touch the floor. And you have to figure out in the moment safely that how you're going to get away and accomplish that task. Right. And then you can just increase the speed. I can say, all right, now you have five seconds. <laughs> and at, at the first second, I'm going to tell you what you have to do. In the last four seconds, you have to figure out how to get there randomly and as fast as possible. Right. That would be like a safe attack. That's right. like, here's something to do. How fast can you figure it out and make it happen? So now you take that and add danger to it and put yourself out there in a dark street or in an alley somewhere or whatever, and something comes after you, how fast can you think and move? So oh. all I do is help people from the very smallest little bit of it, giving you your agency back and giving your creative movement back and your thought process back and allowing you in a safe, completely safe space to find you back and then allowing you to blossom off of that and then eventually add more immersion or more, more intensity to it so when you go back out in the, in the normal world, the normal world isn't that hard anymore because you're training for it. No, exactly. And it's like, I can almost see the connection. Like it might seem unorthodox how like you went from a logistics career into, you know, movement therapy, but I like, that seems like a huge strength to me because if, if my understanding is correct, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but logistics is figuring out the quickest way to move someone or something from point A to point B, right? And as a movement therapist, if people are coming to you and they're like, I'm in pain, and you're like, okay, well, what's the quickest way to get from pain to not pain? And I think you saw, and I think, you know, mind body stuff is becoming more popular for a reason. It's because many people are seeing it, but you saw, okay, maybe the quickest way to getting rid of your pain isn't, you know, these specific movements. Maybe it's play, maybe it's a more mindful approach to it. Or maybe the quickest way to your emotional or, or mental, you know, health improving is through a new kind of movement. And it's, it's, that's like clear logistics, light as day, right? You're going from A to B in a yeah. new unorthodox way. You found a new way to ship a product, right? Right. All it is is getting, getting something from point A to point B any way you can by, you know, obviously in some distribution, there's laws, you know, like driving hours and like speed and things like that, that we have to like take into account as well. But for the most part, it's just a creative process of going, here's your thing. Here's your 107 stores you have to have delivered and you have 48 trucks to do it in, in this amount of time, how are you going to make it happen? Right. And then you start the creative process of getting all of these things out to where they're supposed to go. And by the time you finish that one, you're starting the next day and then the next day. And it's a, re a revolving 24 hours, seven days a week of things just moving all the time. And you're just keeping track of who's coming back when, when it's going back out, who has to leave when, and then still follow all the laws and all of the driving hours and all these other things. But then you're learning from all your past events. You're learning from all your like past situations of going, that guy never can get into that dock. So why would I ever send him there again? Because if I send these other three guys, they can get in out of there in like half the time and get back and be able to help me again. Right? So all I'm doing is using logistics to say like, not to depersonalize it or dehumanize people, but me, you to me, you are an uncontrolled variable. I have no control over anything you're thinking or what you're doing or what you're saying or anything. You can literally just hang up on me right now and walk away and I have no power of that. Right? So that's, that's the, that you're an uncontrolled variable to me. Right. So if I'm working with somebody inside the blocks in, we'll just call it, if you're sitting in the middle of five objects 
and I say to use your right elbow, but not your two feet, you are just an uncontrolled variable moving through a space of controllable variables. I don't care how you get there. Right. That's up to you. So the phrase I always give people before we start is that there's no rules, right or wrong way to play, and you can do anything you want. I'm going to give you something to use and something to touch. So now I've taken all of my power away to stop them from doing something wrong. I'm saying, look, you literally in this situation can absolutely do no wrongs whatsoever. You can do anything you want. Right. I'm just telling you to use this object or use this part of your body and not use these two parts of your body and accomplish this one task any way you can safely on the floor. And whatever you get out of it, you get out of it. And all you're doing is helping them find themselves back. You're helping them find their freedom back within their, within their thought process to moving their organism. Because yeah. most of medicine right now is scraping, taping, cupping, needling, medicine. You know, like we have these giant, these powerful percussion guns that we're like banging on people now. <laughs> and you're like having the sedentary human, the sedentary animal or organism or whatever you want to call it, because that's what we are laying on a table and I'm beating up on you trying to make health come back. <laughs> right? That's the, the most absurd thing you can, I mean, I can't make it sound any more absurd than that. And we're going, well, I don't know why this doesn't last. I'm like, that's why I have a, a quote about stretching. It's like, I don't stretch people. I don't use the word. Right. Because forcing a stretch is like telling the brain it's stupid. Right. Because your brain knows exactly what you're supposed to be able to do and how long your muscles are and how much weight they can handle and what they're capable of. If we try to intervene and say that we know more than it does, that's insane. Why do you, so why do you think there's so much, because basically what it is is you're getting to the root of, of uh, the principles of the core of people's issues from a holistic perspective, but you have a specific approach you use to get through that. But everything else or many other things basically just seem to be symptom management. Like I remember I, uh, uh, I fucked up my back when I was, when I was younger, I had, you know, lower lumbar, um, pretty bad pain. I had to basically walk like this for like two weeks when I was 16. It was just okay. fucking awful. And I went to PT and they were like, okay, we're going to ice it. We're going to electroshock it, whatever. And then the problem would keep coming back. And it wasn't until like, I, I started studying like bioenergetics with, uh, with Elliot Hulse. And um, I read this book, what was it? The Mind-Body Approach to Healing Back Pain by Dr. John Sarno. And in, in both of those kind of studies, one of the first things they said was, well, yeah, there's obviously a physical component to what you're experiencing. Duh, like maybe you're sitting too much, your hip flexors are too tight, whatever. And that's creating the physical environment for your back to be in pain. But there's definitely a mental component that you're not going to fix with electroshock and a massage once every two weeks. And it's like, so I, I tried getting into what that was. And one of the first things that, you know, Dr. John Sarno said was very similar to what you said. He's like, well, first off, stop calling it your back pain. Stop calling it yours. Like it's a part of you forever. Stop calling it back pain. And he's like, look at it like, um, like one of the things was ulcers. I remember ulcers were a huge problem for many people. And then they found that a shockingly large amount of it was like psychosomatic. And if you simply fixed a lot of the stressors in your life, the rate of ulcers, uh, of having ulcers went way down. 
And I started doing mindset exercises, bioenergetics, some movement therapy, even started doing like a, like ecstatic dancing and breath work. I've never had back pain again. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done having back pain. I'm going to feel what my body wants to feel. There you go. And then the, the back pain was just gone. It was amazing. Yeah. Cause I mean, we are just like, we are, it, it's, it's weird to me. Cause like being online and like seeing people's names, like we're on discord and we're on Facebook and all these things. And like, you see someone's name, but to us at that situation, we know that if I send something to this other person, this other name, that's still another person on the other side. Right. But we are just like the, if you go, I would say, if you go a mile up, we're no bigger than the virus that we're trying to find right now. Right. You can't see us mm-hmm. a mile up. So we are these little bugs that are moving around the earth, just doing our thing. And we're, but we're given the power to like say whether or not how we want to do it and what we're willing to do. And what, you know, we listen to all these other people's narratives around what we should or shouldn't be able to do. But we're just this little bug that this animal that can play just like a, just like the fucking deer out in the, out in the woods. Right. We just, we allow other people to get inside of our head to tell us what we can and can't do. So I heard this the best way one time I said, like yourself, your soul, your, your, your person who you are would never say something negative about yourself. Right. The the things that you hear in your self speech that are negative are the things you heard somebody else tell you about yourself. And you're holding on to them. Right. Those are your curses. So the, the ego is loud and the soul whispers. That was one of the best things I ever heard because we have to quiet ourselves down to be able to hear what our soul wants and what, our, what we're here to do, what our purpose is. But if you're listening to everybody else attack your ego, Here's the best way, like I ever heard it, was that the ego came from nowhere and is going nowhere. <laughs> I like that. It's all false. It's fake. It's it, it was created by man to create a market to be able to sell things. We created the ego. We have the ego. There's like I heard uh, there was a Swami. I can't remember his name right offhand, but he explained it the best way to me. He goes, "There's the there's the the." Um, the true ego, which is our self-preservation, right? That's our nervous system. That's our, that's our embodied consciousness is the true ego. We need that to survive. We need that to protect ourselves. But there's the false ego that was created by people that I have more than you have and you should want what I have. That wasn't, that's not real. The true ego is just there to make sure that you're not going to walk off a cliff or like go do bad things and make sure you're safe. Well, now that you mentioned ego, I'm, I'm curious because your approach is, I mean, it is unique and it's, it's unorthodox in, in your industry. And I know there's, um, there's a lot of ego around how people treat things. Like one of the, one of the people I'm fascinated with is, is Naudi Aguilar, who's the, the founder of functional patterns. And his whole thing is like, like, why are you putting 300 pounds on a barbell and loading it on your spine and compressing your vertebrae so you can have, like, thicker legs? That's some dumb ego shit. Why are you doing that? Why don't you move in the way that you want to move naturally? Why don't you go, you know, run or go play or go walk or throw something, right? And that's those are the patterns we were evolved to have. And so he comes from that kind of a perspective, and he gets a shitload of pushback. And a lot of people get a shitload of pushback. 
and, and he's relatively tame compared to some, but like when you start integrating breath work or, or, you know, bioenergetics or mind body work, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pushback with people saying, Hey, that's not, that's not peer reviewed or that's not scientific or that's, you know, whatever that's woo woo. And I'm wondering if you have ever experienced any of that. So my thing, cause I, I know of the people you're talking about and I watch some of the pushback they get. So I know what you're talking about. So what I did with my stuff is because I wanted to wait long enough to be able to hear, here's the thing about medicine is I never, I've never wanted to put medicine down. I never, I never said they're doing wrong. Like I have a lot of support from many different medical professionals. Um, actually in six years of me working on my stuff, I've never had a single medical professional from psychiatry to medical doctors, PTs, chiropractors, everybody, um, neuroscientists have ever discredited what I've been doing. Because here's the thing, it's just math. So who can argue with math? So I never said anybody else's stuff was better than mine. I never said once that I discovered something that wasn't there or that was the missing link or anything like that. So I haven't got a lot of pushback. The most common phrase I got from, from the healthcare industry was you're doing great things, keep going. That's literally one of those common phrases I've ever heard in the last six years. Wow. So I just kept going. I have no idea where I'm going, but as long as I have smart people, I have over a dozen PhDs that respect what I do and understand what I do and want to help me. So, cause in the very beginning of this seven years ago, I met a guy that had a, he has like a, a lab over an RTP. I don't know if they do pharmaceuticals or what exactly he was making over there right now, but I was worried about not being able to go to school to be able to prove what I built. And he goes, you don't need to do that. You just need to hire all the people that know what you're doing. You just need to collect the smart people. So that's all I've done for this whole time is make sure that if I can talk and present my work in a scientific way and use only scientific proven work, then nobody can ever argue with me because it's math based and it's, and it's scientifically sound. So that's like the guy, uh, there's a guy in London that invited me over and I don't want to use his name because um, he's not big about introductions and all that kind of stuff. But to me, it, it was like, it was the crown jewel. So like each time I would present my stuff to another PhD or another university or whatever, and they're like, wow, I'm really intrigued with what you're working on. Wow, this really makes a lot of sense. Like, this is great. I'm, I uh, just partnered with a doctor from Duke University again. And she's like, I am just blown away by what you're working on. Like, this is incredible. So those are my graduation days. I don't have a degree in anything, but to be able to talk to medical professionals or PhDs or these people that spent, you know, tens of 20, 10, 20, 30 years knowing their craft. And I can have a discussion about my work and they understand what I'm talking about and agree with me. That's graduation day. I just keep going and finding more smarter people that understand what I'm talking about. And the guy over in London has helped publish over 2,500 papers in neuroscience and psychology wow. and invited me over to the University of London to present my work. So as soon as I got that, I was like, I don't really care what anybody else thinks about what I'm working on because arguably one of the smartest people on the planet alive understands what I'm doing. So I'm just going to keep going. That's so amazing. when everybody, anybody wants to join me or like figure out what I'm doing, then by all means, but I'm not going to get in pissing matches, whether or not like 
yo, your medicine is better than my medicine or whatever. Like, look, we're, we're free to move however we want. We're free to live however we want. We're free to do whatever we want. As long as we don't break the law or hurt ourselves or anybody else. And who gives a fuck what we're doing? Yeah, exactly. So just don't hurt other people. You know, if you're going to create a system or create a product, do it for the right reason. You know, I always say like good things last good. If you make money the right way, it lasts. If you make money the wrong way, it only lasts for so long. Right. So that's my little rant about all of that. So no, dude, I, I love it because there's definitely a tendency where like, if you look at an industry, I like to, to think of it as like the, uh, you know, the, the, the signal and the noise and whatnot. And it's like, industries will always have like a waveform of what the hype machine is saying. And usually it's incorrect where like, for example, in like nutrition, it's like, okay, this year fucking keto's hot. And the next year, like butter is bad for you. And then the next year it's like eat a dozen eggs a day and it keeps going up and down where there's probably, at least when I work with clients or, or when I'm helping friends with things, it's like, well, there is a through line of signal that is factually accurate. And if you can find a way to build your hype or your brand around that line that is actually true, then you don't have to worry for your business about going up and down. You'll be pretty steady through the ups and downs. And no one can really fuck with you because you're not lying. Your marketing isn't marketing. You're telling the truth. And people are, are coming to that. But one thing that people often kind of maybe a trap they fall into is the idea that because they're doing that, they are now having to like make enemies with the people who are, who are riding the hype train. And it's like, you know, everyone's in it cause they want to, they want to help people. Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't help the end users. It doesn't help the patients, the clients, whatever. If you know, the vegan people and the keto people are yelling at each other because at the end of the day, they just want people to be healthy and happy. Right. So I, I totally agree with that approach where it's like, yeah, maybe I disagree or I think I'm doing something different than what the industry is doing, but I'm not trying to fight them. What's the point of that? Let's just go do something good over here. And if people want to join me, come over. Yeah, no, exactly. I think we have um, so much in like all of our industries because it's just our biases. Like we're, we have all these biases that are just a part of us. You have your cognitive dissonance and you have your cog- cogn- uh, cognitive bias where it's like, or uh, confirmation bias. Right. It's like, I've spent all of these tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars to learn this thing. And now I'm the best at it. And nobody in the world can tell me that I'm not the best at it. And I don't really care what you're saying because I'm the best. So it doesn't matter what you say because I'm the best. And we we're, we're doing this. We've created this individualization around so many things in our world where it's all about like, how much can I make? What's in it for me? What can I build? How much can I make? What can I do? Instead of focusing on like, if we took all of the knowledge we've created out of all the people that have PhDs and all the people that have medical licenses and all this stuff and go, well, how can we like heal people and actually work together as a collective whole, as a, as a, as a you know, a community to go, oh, here's this person. There's so many, so many things that can be wrong right. for the most part. You know, because that's why I always explain this to, um, I've said this quite a few times to doctors and stuff before I'm going to share this with you because like everybody's agree with me is because there's a reason that we have trauma surgeons that can go in there in a, in a moment's notice and fix somebody that's been blown apart or like in an accident or whatever. Right. Because 
biologically, biomechanically, physiologically, anatomically, and a lot of times geographically, we're all the same person. We look different and we have a different story, but for the most part, all of our parts are where our parts are at. Some of you have a little bit more parts and some may have less parts, but the organs are in their same place for the most part, unless there's an anomaly. So how many different variances, how many different differences can there really be? So why are we still fighting over who's right in medicine when we can just fix the human because we know how the fucking human works? Right. Do you then do focus you all your efforts on the, on, the, on the anomalies, the people that need the extra help, not all the people that you're just keeping healthy with pills and shit. Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you find that this kind of mindset is like something that people gain out of doing the, the move therapy? Yeah, because you get, you get out of your own way. You realize how many things, so like, it's really interesting to watch children four and five years old, maybe six and up to six and seven year olds play the blocks or play in the cube. Cause they're like little ninjas. You just tell them the tasks that you want them to do. And they're like flying around just doing what you <laughs> told them to do. And then you can watch the progression of age as I did a, a, a class with a, a girl's soccer team. I think they're 15, 16, they're maybe like 14, 15, something like that. And they had the hardest time because everybody's watching them. Right. And like, I don't know if I should do this or am I allowed to do this? Can I act like this? Could, do, I, do I have to do it this way? That's one of the most common phrases I get or questions I get after I say, you can, there's no rules, rights or wrongs, do anything you want. And right before someone starts to do the task, they go, well, can I do it this way? I'm like, I mean, if you want to, like, I'm not, I, I just told you, you can do anything you want. But we're so limited. We're so like locked down into this whole like, well, my mom told me when I was six years old that, you know, I should never do this. And now you're 29 and still listen to what your mom fucking told you when you're six years old. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, that's the whole thing I would say. Like, uh, traditions are just peer pressure from dead people. Have you ever heard that quote? Oh, I love that. Right? Like, if you love a tradition, by all fucking means, keep it. If it makes you happy, keep it. But if it doesn't make sense anymore because 150 years ago it worked for 10,000 people, doesn't mean it works now. Like, why are we holding ourselves back from all of these different ways of living? Mm -hmm. Because we want somebody else to tell us how to live. We're not, we don't have this self-awareness. We don't have this like assertiveness or like creativity or like our independence to go out and do anything however we want. Because we just keep following what everybody else is fucking doing. Right. And now we're in this, like, I, I say social media right now, and you, you'll see this is like, because I've said kind of the phrase a few times already is like, my way is better than your way and your way sucks. I don't have the courage to do it my way. So I'm gonna make fun of your way. And now that I make fun of your way, you're not going to do it either. Because now we're both afraid of each other's opinions. And now nobody's going to fucking build anything. So we're in this like stalemate in our society right now where nobody wants to create anything because we're worried about what other people are thinking. There hasn't been a lot of innovation. I mean, I was born in 96 and basically in my lifetime, the only really development in technologies has just been like, we've made hard drives store more shit on them and we've made screens show prettier images, which is amazing. I guess there's been 3D printing, that's pretty cool. But there haven't really been a, a, a as tremendous an amount of innovations as like when you read about like the 70s and 60s, 70s, 80s, like during the space age and shit. There was new technology all the time. We were building shit all the time. We're in um, like our biggest export is is media, which is 
great. Like, there's a lot of great stuff. I fucking love the Marvel movies. I goddamn love them. I'm glad we're pounding those out like it's factory. I love them. But we don't really put out as much uh, physical innovation as we used to. And I think that's definitely related to how much there's criticism, whether that's, like you said, from peers or, or even, like, from the media or, or whatever, right? Well, you push people into these, like, working for somebody else. And instead of, like you know, the industrial era was, was necessary to, to get people to work in the factories and things like that. But we're not in that era anymore. We're in a creative technology era. Right. So now you're trying to take people, you never, you, you waited, we always wait so long. We always wait till we have to react to an event. Yeah. Right. Like right now we're reacting to an event and everybody's trying to be creative all of a sudden and try to like move into virtual or whatever. And we've had all this stuff for, for decades. That's like uh, the quote, I can't remember who said it. It was in Ter- Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek. And I just read it in Andrew Yang's book recently, um, The War on Normal People. And it's that we're already living the future. It's just not evenly distributed yet. Right. Because Silicon Valley, they're probably 20 years in the future with some of the shit that they're, they're working on in development. Yet when last fall, when I was doing, um, I did a a workshop, a roundtable discussion out in Burlington with uh, NC Idea. And we were trying to under, help understand what the rural counties in North Carolina needed to be able to advance or what they're right. missing. So when I first was going there, I thought it was going to be a bunch of city people trying to help the little people. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was the other way. It was all these people that live in the towns and these that help run the towns. They're saying, here's what we got. And it was mind blowing. When you think about like here in Raleigh, if you have a business class internet, it's between 300 and 400 megabits per second. And they're like, well, how about co-working spaces? And how about this? And how about that? And the one guy was like, the fastest internet we have in our town is two megabits per second. Jesus. Two. And that's 50 miles outside of Raleigh. Yeah. So how the fuck are you going to keep advancing technology if, you have people 50 miles outside of one of the one of the new Silicon Valleys of Raleigh, North Carolina, you can't even and there's people 50 miles away from here can't even fucking get dial-up. Yeah. How are you supposed to equalize anything? Like, it's insane. Like, that's, we're just holding each other back. So really all of my company is, is this movement around, like, you know, Find your own creative way. There's no path. There's no one way up the fucking mountain. Right. There isn't. Like, there's any way that you can get there. Just do it. Just start moving. That's what the Chinese proverb that came up the other day is like the, the path of a thousand miles starts from the first step. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, like Da Vinci always talked about too, like the creative process is so exciting and fun. And then the first hit of resistance you get, the first punch in the face you get, everyone's like, oh, well, that was, uh, I, don't, I don't really have that in me. And you stop. That's the good part. And the other thing I always tell everybody is like, you know, they always say we create our own reality. Yeah. And that's fucking true. The problem is the reality that you're creating, the printer that prints your reality is really fucking slow. <laughs> so you have to keep working on the process yeah for a really long damn time for it to start to manifest out into what you see in the world around you right you have to create action you have to create the thought which is action which is a cause the speaking of it to other people is a cause 
the actions of doing things with your hands and building things and creating things is a cause. And you keep making the causes bigger and bigger and for longer, and then the effects come in. But if you quit doing the cause because you got tired of it and you didn't want to do it anymore or got boring, well, then pivot or whatever. But you can keep adding more causes to the positive. You can keep working into the positive as long as you want. So everything I do is based on like the zero point field because I'm taking somebody that like is broken or whatever that thinks they can't do this thing and I have this pain, I have this whatever. I'm like, okay, so you can't do this, but can you do this? Well, yeah, I can do that. Well, okay, so let's do this for a while. Well, here's the thing. When I took an infant development class, there was four things that we learn about that babies do. It's push, pull, yield, and reach. What do you do the most of? Push, pull, and yield. Mm -hmm. What the fuck happened to reach? Right. When was the last time you reached for something that you couldn't quite get to? It's very rarely. Never. Right. Because everything fucking comes to us. Our right. technology brings everything to us. So we don't hunt and gather. We don't go out and search for what we want. We don't look for opportunities. We don't try to get things and make things happen. We took away the reach. Right. Because technology brought everything to us. Now you can yell at Alexa and order all your groceries and have them delivered to your front door and have the kids bring them to the recliner. You mm -hmm. never fucking moved. So we're not reaching. We're not, we don't want things. We want things, but we don't want to have to go and do anything to get them. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's a world of like crippling convenience in a way. Yeah. We've become so like domesticated that we want everything to just come to us. We don't want to actually have to go and get anything. Yeah. That's why I still drive a six speed because I want to interact with my environment. Okay. Right. Like that's me going, I have to figure out that's me and my cube. If you drive a six speed, you're in a cube moving down the road because you have to use your agility to go, Oh, I have to like, I need more power. I need to shift. I need, there's a hill coming up or I need to stop or I need to do whatever. And you have to use your body cognitively to figure out how to do things. Mm-hmm. It's the same idea I say when I talk to people about elderly drivers. They're like, you know, they're so slow and whatever. I'm like, elderly people don't forget how to drive. They have to slow the vehicle down to slow the information coming at their face so they can still react in time with their body to avoid the situation. That's all driving is. It's right. we're, that you're in the cube. You're t processing information coming at you and you're going, whoa, 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 slow, down, slow the information down. Now I can do this, but I can't quite do this yet. Right. So the, the cube and everything, the, the idea around it is like when I talk about, so 25 years ago, at the beginning of our internet days, the industry standard to load a web page was five minutes. Wow. And now Google won't index your page if it doesn't load in less than three seconds. Wow. That's wild. That's how much faster we've gotten. Yeah. But we haven't sped up how fast our brain works and how fast we process the information around us. The world keeps getting faster, but we have to train our mind to be able to handle more speed or we'll never be able to relax again because there's so much noise. So you have to slow the noise down. You, and the noise isn't gonna slow down. I'm sorry to say, like, unless you go back out to the woods, the noise isn't slowing down. It's only gonna keep getting faster because that's marketing. Who can market more? Who can market louder? Who can say things more and louder? And like, 
so that noise isn't going away. So you have to be able to train your own self to get past a higher level, past the noise, to where the noise is just part of your world. You're living within it, but you're not inundated by it. Right. Yeah, you're, you're in the world, but not of it. I think they, they, who says that? Is that Jesus? That might be Jesus who says that. Be, okay. be in the world, but not of it. Yeah, because like technology, everybody's living within their phone right now. Mm -hmm. But our phone is our walkie-talkie. If you look at 25, so back in the 90s, you had, you probably still had little walkie-talkies. Yeah. Talk to your friends with walkie-talkies, like playing out in the woods and shit, right? So your phone is just your walkie-talkie that you can talk to someone in fucking China if you want to. But it's still just a tool that allows us to have communication and power to create things. Not live in it, but live with it. Yeah. And build things with it. Build a company, build a brand with this toy, with this tool that you have on your side. Not give up all of your dopamine, all of your attention, all of everything to this thing, to, this, to these apps that they're designed to do that. Yeah, exactly. hire all these engineers to hold your attention. So then you don't care about anything else going around in your world because you have your thing. You have this thing that makes you feel happy, but you're not really happy from it. You're just feel happy from it. Right. Until you realize you're not happy at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, that's a hundred percent true. Um, well, on that note, I know you only have, or I think we both only have about five minutes left. I want to respect your time. But I want to I'm ask fine. you. Guys, I can go on another. I can go as long as you want to go. So well, we got to do it again sometime because this was honestly a lot of fun. But I have one last question for you, which is, sure. you know, the show is called Making a Scene, and we we kind of got into what makes you a unique character, and then what you're bringing to the table, and why it's, you know, how you're bringing that unique touch. And I guess my question to you is, what kind of a scene do you want to make, right? Like, where is this going? What's the ultimate legacy for Move or for yourself that you would want to leave behind? What story do you want to tell? I want people to play again. I want, I want, I want us to nurture and hold on to the inner child. And like, I love music festivals. I go there and I can be myself. Yeah. You can wear whatever you want. I always joke, you can wear your underwear on your head and people will want to come and take a picture with you. Mm -hmm. Right? Like be yourself and have more people be themselves and let's create this really fucking cool, colorful world full of amazing art and intellectualism and intelligence and conversation and music. And all of this, like, there's so much content we can build because everybody's amazing. And now there's, and there's no gatekeeper to the internet. We just have to get people out of their own heads to be able to produce art again and produce these things and like, let their, let their self out. Yeah. Cause we're so held back by everybody else. Like we could have a world that's full of just insane amount of like really cool shit, but we let all, we let, we let nine or 10 corporations control all of the creation because they, we think we can't get past that, but there's nobody holding us back. So we need to open this up. We need to bl blossom the flower again and let people out and not be held back by opinions of like other people's opinions. So I want a world that's like, like bright and fun and colorful. Like the world's so drab. Mm -hmm. Like how are we in, our, in, the, in the 2020 now and the world still looks like it did when I was in fucking 1980. Like it's all big fucking strip mall across America. So What's that? I said it's all one big strip mall across America. That's what most of it is. It's all just more fucking stores. Like we don't need more fucking stores. Right. 
right? Like build cool shit. Like you're not even building cool buildings. Your, your architecture is terrible. Yeah. Right. There's no creativity in anything. Like you, Raleigh had the chance to build cool buildings and they look just as fucking same as everybody else's. Like nobody's building anything. We need to open up our creativity and let people have their own individualization and their own self back and make the world fucking cool. I love that. Make, make the world cool again. That's, that's a campaign slogan if I ever heard one. Hell yeah. Right on, man. Well, dude, this was a lot of fun. And honestly, I want to have you back on again because I could talk to you for hours about this kind of shit. We hardly even broke into the mind body stuff. And I'm a, I'm a huge nerd about all things fitness and, and health. So we definitely got to do this again sometime. But for now, I'd like to encourage everyone to check out Joe at movetherapy.org. And uh, is there a best social media that you prefer people follow you on? Well, my, uh, I'm more active on my Instagram, which is infinite underscore movements. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Facebook is move massage Raleigh as of right now. And that'll evolve as we get things more packaged together. But yeah, it's, uh, we're just going to keep building and we have a, our discord platform getting set up right now. So that'll be for really encouraging the share of art and music and long, long form conversation and really getting people banded together like the idea is to um there's no reason for us to keep having to relearn from our own experiences when we're going into an experience who can ask 10 other people how they did it mm -hmm. and get quality uh constructive criticism and not being beat down so have you ever heard the crabs in the bucket thing yes okay i finished the crabs in the bucket because we always say if one crab tries to get out the other one pulls the, each other back down in Mm -hmm. But if everybody helps each other out of the bucket, even the last crab left can still get himself out of the bucket on its own. Right. So if we all work together, we can all get out of the bucket. Mm -hmm. And nobody's left behind. I fucking love that. And, and also on your Discord community, um, I know there are different levels and tiers, but I know that uh, you can take online move classes through, through that offer, right? Yeah. So there's, uh, there's a complimentary one which I want to make a, accessibility is a big thing to me because everybody deserves to have accessibility to what we're doing. And then as you go up each level, so the complimentary one includes the Wednesday night workshop plus networking and, and uh, communication with everybody. And then the next level um, adds an extra, um, extra movement session mm -hmm. a month. So you have two a month instead of just the one a week. So you have the one a week plus an extra and then the $45 one for right now. And we're keep evolving this and adding things to it. But you'll have um, the one every, every single Wednesday and then two extra. Nice. So it gives you some more time to do move. And then we're also, I'm also offering virtual sessions or semi-private sessions or group sessions with people as well. So if you have a group out there that you want to get five or 10 people together on zoom and do a session with me, we can do it that way as well. So. I love it. And guys, like I said, I've done one of these, uh, one of these sessions and it's been a lot of fun and I joined the community at the, uh, the community level, but maybe I'll be upgrading to, uh, to do some of these workshop levels, uh, soon too. But you know, if you're interested in that, check out Joe again, movetherapy.org, all of all his socials. I'll have the discord link set up below if you want to join and, uh, Joe, let's definitely do this again sometime, man. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate it. It was awesome. All right, guys, that was one hell of an episode. Thank you for fast forwarding to my beautiful face or for watching the whole episode, whichever one. I'm, I'm quite grateful. Um, I'd like to, again, thank Joseph 
Clement for coming on to the show today. And if you enjoyed what you heard, check out his exercise and mental wellness programs at movetherapy.org. If you want to follow me and what I'm up to, any other projects, please check out johnjufre.co. That's J-O-H-N-G-I-U-F-F-R-E dot C-O. And please, if you are connected to the event marketing or creative gig economies in any way, and you want to enter more of a partnership economy, you want to continue having the freedom of the gig economy, but with less of that bullshit Fiverr.com ass competition that's a race to the bottom. If you want to get your dream gig and continue to have friends in this industry who help you find better gigs and support you in improving your craft and support you in your collaborations and personal projects and people who post spicy fucking memes, thick ass memes, please check out the Artworks Group on Facebook, created by Logos Productions, my company. That is facebook.com slash groups slash Artworks Group, A-R-T-W-O-R-K-S-G-R-O-U-P. Thank you so much. Please stay tuned. This was episode 10. We just hit 10 episodes, guys. We're in the double digits. So, you know, it's only onward and upward from here. So thank you guys for, for everyone who's been watching. Uh, a few people have reached out so far um, with compliments about the show, feedback about the show, suggestions for who they'd like to see on the show. And I'm working on incorporating all of that. Um, most notably getting a fucking actual background that doesn't suck. Uh, this is a wall. It is a, it is a boring wall and soon it will be a less boring wall. We are working on that. Um, thank you so much. See you guys next week. Next episode tomorrow. You know what? Go back, watch all the old ones. I'll see you right now. Bye-bye.